Welcome to Murderous Mermaids with Martinis, a podcast discussing all things horror. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Angie. And uh, spoiler alert. Most of the titles we'll be discussing are relatively well known, but just in case you haven't seen any of the films or television shows that we'll be discussing, we're going to make sure we put uh, the titles in all of our episodes so that you have been forewarned. You have been forewarned. Welcome to our very first podcast episode ever. Yes, welcome. First time. Yeah, so we'll be talking about the television series on Freeform, formerly known as ABC Family, called Siren. Uh, Season 2 should be starting up in early fall 2018, I believe. So we'll be talking about the entirety of Season 1, which we've recently finished watching. Uh, So we'll... uh, give you a few, I guess, clarification points about our interest in horror, Uh, but first like a general blanket statement. Uh, We record at my home and I have two felines, uh, Oliver and Ellie, and they occasionally will make some podcasting appearances. So if you hear meows and cat sounds in the background, they're just voicing their opinion because they watch all this stuff with me. Yeah, and they definitely wanna put their two cents in, especially when we're talking about things that happen to cats. In film. Yes, it's like they know we're talking about cats and have to make sure that their voice is heard. And rightfully so. Yes. <laughs> so, Angie, what's your either favorite horror film or favorite horror subgenre? Well, I think my favorite horror film to date is the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, my favorite subgenre would be slasher films. And I also really enjoy The Shining, which is kind of a slasher film in a way, since the father ends up, you know, killing people with an axe. Yes. Um, That that seems like a a fair argument to be made. Um, I'm not sure I have a favorite horror film. I like so many, it's hard to choose. Um, I like Scream a lot as a movie, although my preferred horror subgenre... Uh, is usually like the really cheesy 1950s and 1960s uh, B-horror films like The Leech Woman, uh, movies like Them. I love when the special effects don't necessarily look realistic. (laughs) Uh, And there's lots of snappy, fun dialogue. Um, Even like the... I guess the classier B-movies, like the Val Luton ones, like uh, Cat People, um, I like a lot of those. Um, And I guess vampires would be my second favorite subgenre, probably because of my abiding love for the original Dark Shadows television series, which is campiness in all its glory. Yeah, I like a lot of camp in my films too, so I'm with you there. What what about, um, what things scare you? Or, or maybe don't scare you. Um, I, I don't know if it scares me, but it makes my skin crawl. Anytime there's a scene in a horror film where like, nails get ripped out, that just makes me cringe inside. And I also hate when there's snakes. Okay. No snakes, ever. So some of my top things that creep me out are bats 
which we will discuss in the future. I will mock you mercilessly <laughs> for your fear of bats. <laughs> um, and then uh, insects, especially if there's like a large army of insects like them, ants still to this day really, really um, upset me. Like they all need to die. Every ant should die. Well, that's how I feel when I see them in my kitchen. They don't creep me out when I see them in films, though. What, what does creep me out in horror films is when they have, like, the maggots on things, when something's decaying. That makes me want to hurl. Oh. Well, yeah, I think that's the, the I think goal. Was, <laughs> the, it, it, I, I think it is, yes. And then, like, the gag reflux is like, I can't control it. I'm like, oh, God, so gross. Yeah, and then the other thing that uh, kind of makes me cringe is... Um, I can't even say it. Say it. When people are hurt in their, like, their ligament snaps or something penetrates their ligament. I can't even talk about it. We must move on. (laughs) She doesn't like the word ligament. We have to say it in a low volume. (laughs) But fortunately... Our very first podcast episode, we'll be talking about something much more cheery. Murderous mermaids! Hello, cute mermaids! <laughs> I really enjoy the new mermaid horror soap opera mashup. Uh, that is Freeform Siren. How about you? I like it, and there are so many love triangles that it is just infuriating, like trying to figure out who's going to end up with who. (laughs) And are they going to play it as like a predictable outcome, like with a lot of these shows? Are they going to try to mix it up and like blindside us with, I don't know, something that we weren't even expecting, like some character that never existed on the show before? (laughs) Well, I think it's pretty clear that Ren and Ben, how cute is it that their names rhyme, are going to end up together. Ren being the main mermaid and Ben being her rescuer. I guess like the first human that she really had contact with. Yes. And or he, meaningful contact with. Yes, because he found her, took her in, tried to help her. So he's, you know, all nice guy and everything. But he has a girlfriend. I had never realized that their names rhymed until you mentioned that. (laughs) That's almost too cutesy. I know, and you can't mush them together. Like, it can't be a Benifer. (laughs) Ben Ren, Ren Ben. Well, I mean, you can. It just doesn't sound as good. Yeah. But I think they're definitely going to end up together. That's the only thing that makes sense for the show. So that's the soapy part. But let's talk a little bit about the horror parts. Yeah. The mermaids in this show are, they're killers. They are deadly and they're hunters. And especially, I think we've noticed in the water, they're very primal and maybe lose their ability to to do anything other than hunt and defend their territory. Yeah, and the although the mermaids in this show are the the merfolk because we have uh boy mermaids too uh are dangerous to people i think the show does a really good job of contextualizing their anger and their violence 
that like it comes from a place of humans are basically starving them out mm-hmm. yeah so it takes place in a fisherman community and the the government is involved and um, basically paying the fishery to overfish in order to lure the mermaids out of the water. So it's a whole conspiracy thing behind this too. Yes, because when I think of government conspiracy theories, I immediately think of trying to find real mermaids. <laughs> well, they... Roswell be damned. They're really trying to find mermaids. But as we find out, mermaids might be useful medically for humans. Yes, they are med- medically magical in the world of this show. They are, and that's part of the main plot drive too, is um, capturing them and even, um, I wanna say torturing, but it's not like they're purposely torturing. Oh no, they're torturing them. Well, they're treating him like a lab rat. That's torture. (laughs) It it is pretty horrific the way that they treat uh, the mermaid Donna, Um, just, but she actually ends up garnering the interest of one of the uh, the um, government agents who, in the end, ends up having feelings for her and tries to save her life. So even though he's went through this whole torturous process with her, um, I don't think she ever forgives him. No, he sees the error of his ways, sort of but doesn't really know how to ask forgiveness in a way that acknowledges Donna's feelings. <laughs> He's just sort of like, he has this, like, I guess, epiphany of like, oh, she's just as you know, important as a person. Like, I see her as a person. She's got to love me now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he tries to save her life and um, is unable to, and that drives him to his own death, his own guilt. Yeah, we have a lot, it's a high body count on this show, in terms of, I guess, just like circumstantial deaths just because of the dangers of being a fisherman, um, people that can't deal with their own, uh, I guess, complicity in mermaid torture, and then we have the body count from the mermaids themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I um, remember that movie we saw, The Lure, uh, in 2015. Yes. And... Uh, very independent Polish film, and there's a a scene with one of the mermaids and a young man in the car with her, and there's this implication that there might be um, some unwanted advances or some sexual assault, but we never really see what happens, and she turns on him and ends up, we see the blood splatter, and it's she's a, a killer mermaid, but she's doing it in defense, and we see that with Rin, our main mermaid here, almost an identical scene. I mean, it, as soon as I saw this on Siren, it, it put me in the mind of that scene from The Lure. Yeah, I agree. And I think when I saw like a promotional still from Siren before it came out, it made me think of The Lure. Because uh, The Lure, at least as it was informally billed at the, the indie theater we went to, to go see this at, described it as a vampire mermaid musical. Mm-hmm. And so the in the lure, like they have these vampire like teeth uh that are um really kind of uh threatening and not attractive mermaid <laughs> qualities. And in Siren, the I guess the mermaids when they go into their defense attack mode, 
their their teeth change and they also kind of look vampiric a little bit too mm-hmm. even though they're not blood suckers they're so i guess vampire might just be a shorthand for like dangerous sharp toothed mermaid as opposed to i want to suck your blood mermaid yeah and with siren they um they grow the talon like claws and just become very um, animalistic and so i think part of the the fun part of the show for me is seeing Ren when we first meet her as this um, vulnerable human but also very capable of taking care of herself very strong um, has that primal instinct and then as the season progresses we see her become more and more human developing human emotions developing uh, relationships with humans understanding the complexities of what it means to be a human and that's part of the most interesting thing about the show but we don't see that with all the mermaids we mostly just see that that arc with Ren. yeah which is probably i guess why they call the show siren singular because i think the show makes it very clear that like she's the one we're supposed to empathize with and like hers is the mermaid's journey that matters the most at least as of season one and um i also think that What's interesting in uh, Siren is how scaly they look when they're starting to assume their mermaid form. Um, They become very non-human looking, um, which I think plays up the, maybe the the usual divide you have of like half human, half fish here. Like when they go into mermaid mode, they are more, um, I guess, merfolk than human folk. and I think the, the show wants to play with that um, binary a little bit, maybe in ways that go beyond some of the more child-friendly fairy tales that feature mermaids. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I know in the lure, we talked about the fact that they have fangs, and it reminds me of bats, and we know how I feel about bats. Yes, for listeners out there, um, Angie thinks bats are terrifying and disease-ridden, terrible creatures. I don't think they're terrible creatures. I just don't necessarily want to have anything to do with them. (laughs) They're fine if they leave me alone. They stay in their space. I stay in my space. I've tried to convince her otherwise by sending her YouTube videos or like Facebook videos, I don't know, some kind of social media video of baby bats in blankets eating fruit and being bottle-fed. She's still very on the fence that they can be cute. That's true. And so back to the... Back to the... Whole, <laughs> okay, fine. Back to mermaids. <laughs> back to the vampire fangs and the fact that they're trying to equate some kind of negative connotation with bats and mermaids. In Siren... When the mermaids are feeling threatened, they hiss like a cat. They do. Um, I was actually thinking when you were talking about Ren's trajectory um, from being sort of like you know, scared and like defensive human to trusting that I don't know if we heard this word in connection to... We watched a panel about this show before it premiered at WonderCon, which is how we started watching it in the first place. Um, but one of the things that um, I was thinking about was the word feral that um, she, she's like this feral human. Like she's assumed a human form, but she's like, you know, like wild child of the forest almost. Um, and she hisses a lot, like a cat. And she eats a rat. And she eats a rat. 
She has very cat-like behavior. She's very agile like a cat. She's very particular with the people she wants to hang around, kind of like a cat. Um, so in some ways, like the from episode one through, is it 10 episodes? I think by so. The, by the end of the, the series, so like she goes from like metaphoric feral cat to non-feral cat that loves people. She becomes domesticated. <laughs> Such a terrible way of putting it. But the show does kind of like make us see it that way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I would equate it. But I think I'm I'm anticipating season two, her becoming more and more independent and self-aware and less of a um, shadow of other humans that she's met. I agree. I also think that we're going to see the love triangles get a little bit more complicated because we had, I think... Teaser is the wrong word for it because I don't think anything in the show is a teaser. Like they make it very clear what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like I love there was this scene maybe midway through where um, Xander and one of his friends were trying to find out about a woman who might know where their friend was because of course he was being held in a secret military facility for mm-hmm. testing purposes because he encountered a mermaid. We can't let that information leak to the general public, and uh, so they 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 track down this nurse, and the, you have a great like screenshot of the computer screen that they're looking at, and they read it verbatim just in case you missed the large lettering. It says here she's a nurse. <laughs> oh, like, nothing on the show is subtle, which is I think part of its endearing quality. Uh, so I think in season two we're going to see more romantic intrigue because there's the heavy implication that Xander was really into Maddie. Mm-hmm. And we know Maddie's basically been swept aside for Ren, even if Ben won't admit it directly. What do you think about the scene where Ben is fantasizing about a sexual encounter with Ren, and she turns into her primal animalistic mermaid form during the fornification process? You made that sound so technical. And I was just going to follow up as like, maybe he's just into kinky mermaid stuff. <laughs> and he doesn't know it yet. And he doesn't know it yet. <laughs> um, I think it's a way of the show communicating that the mermaid's sexuality is maybe threatening or um, dangerous in some way to the humans. Because the, the siren song that they play with like the men that... So far, is it just men that have heard the siren song? Yeah. So like, women are attracted to the mermaids too, but I don't think they've been subjected to the song yet. So, like, but the men that get the song in their head, like, it's not good for them. So I kind of link that, um, I guess, fantasy dream he was having to maybe the side effects of the song. Hmm. The only time that he encountered her as her mermaid form, she actually tried to kill him. True, because he jumps in the water. But then at the end of the series, or at least for season one, not the series, because we're getting a second season, thank God. <laughs> um, the are they like they, they are they sea lions or seals? I think they're seals. Seals, some kind of adorable sea mammal. Those are cute. Yeah. Yeah, um, they were scared of Renette first, and terrified and all the marine workers were like oh my god they're always so friendly like what's going on but at the end of the of season one they were cool with her mm-hmm. like they they didn't feel threatened by her so she I guess she's no longer like nothing but a predator to them mm-hmm. um so 
is that going to be like a permanent feature for her moving forward or or not so so far she's actually been treated very well by almost every human she's encountered with the exception of the creepy guy that basically tried to rape her yeah yeah and she didn't hold that against mankind she like still can see that there's different people like she can recognize ben is good Maddie is good, Ben is love, Maddie is love. So she can recognize the good qualities and possibly the bad qualities in different humans she encounters. So she has that ability to discern among humans. Yeah, I, I think the series definitely suggests that she's able to see parallels between like how like mermaid social communities work as um, analogous to how human social communities work. And so, in some ways, she's, I guess, positioned as the more intuitive mermaid in that regard. But it's also because I think she has the benefit of not being held against her will mm-hmm. at the government testing facility. So the other mermaids don't really have the same benefit of being able to see, like, a wide um, example of humankind mm-hmm. before forming their opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she starts off as a feral cat, so to speak, eating a rat. And she likes to hiss. And she hisses. And then she also has fangs, similar to a bat. And by the end of the season, she's eating fruit, mostly. Bats eat fruit. Yeah, so she is encompassing the bat, cat, mermaid persona in some ways. She is. She is, I guess, shorthanded using land, air, and sea creatures. She's very complex. She is complex. And I think the reason, just thinking about the um, the fantasy between uh, Ben and her, um, I think that maybe that's just reminding us that as human as she has become or is becoming, she still has the the ability to be dangerous, that she still has this within her, this um, innate capability to kill or to hunt or to uh, shred somebody if she wants to. Yeah, and even if she doesn't um, embrace any of those mermaid qualities, she's a danger to his relationship with Maddie long term. Mm -hmm. And his family. And his family, yeah. Um... One of the things I thought was interesting in this series was, for me, this is the first I've seen a variation of this, and maybe I just had a very limited exposure to mermaid stories, or maybe just mermaid stories of a certain kind, but in this series, we have the uh, the premise that uh, mermaids in their human form procreate with other humans and create mermaid descendants that inherit apparently really bad what looks like eczema. <laughs> But there's a cream for that. There's a cream for that. <laughs> I think it's called Eucrisa. <laughs> uh, the character Helen, I think, is a really interesting addition to this world because it helps, I think, mitigate some of the, the soapy storylines from just going, you know, full throttle. Um, and gives a sense of, I think, of like folkloric trajectory to like how mermaids are thought about in the show. Um, did you have any thoughts about Helen's character? Because she's kind of quirky. She's quirky. She has like this mystic vibe about her. Like she's, she, you always feel like she knows way more than what she's letting on. And then um, 
every once in a while she'll just drop a little pebble of knowledge on everyone and then she kind of goes back to that mysterious like I know more than I'm saying vibe again so it's it's been interesting to watch her drop these little pebbles of information throughout um, how she is a descendant from mermaids and then we also find out so is Ben they're related oh yeah he's not a mermaid descendant he's just a descendant of the humans that fornicated with the mermaids it, it, it didn't sound like it was necessarily a happy coupling no no but um the human half of his family um is part of the the mermaid descendants right. family tree as well yeah do you think helen has children that we'll learn about in season two i think that would be really interesting because i want to know why she had a disney frozen children's book or coloring book in her house I can't find any other explanation for that other than a, a way for Rin to explain the idea of sisters before she had full control of the human language, uh, the, the lang- English language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. I only thought of it as a, a tool for exposition about sisterhood and what that meant to, to mermaids. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it never dawned on to me, like, why would she have a coloring book? <laughs> I mean, I like to color. And I can't remember if it's a coloring book, but it's definitely Disney Frozen, and it's Anna and Elsa. So my guess is like the target audience for said book is 10 and under. Possibly. But, I mean, I also like to use coloring books too, but... There you have it. Could, it could just be that Helen is, has this childlike, magical quality about her. It's part of her whimsical side. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and... I know you'd mentioned this when we were talking about this and doing research. You mentioned um, uh, Elaine Powell, the actress that plays Ren. She Mm -hmm. based her movements on a particular video with Bjork. Oh, she said that, um, I guess she got into like her mermaid mindset by listening to a lot of Bjork music, which I thought was a really interesting tidbit to share with the audience about character development. Um, I don't think she specified which albums um, or which Bjork songs, but uh, my mind uh, immediately went to the Bjork song and video for Hunter, um, which is like this video where Bjork, it's a close-up of her face almost the entirety of the song, and her face goes from like human morphing into different like uh, animal attributes like ears and gills. And so in some ways it's a really nice metaphor for how mermaids function on this show because they, they're always sort of vacillating uh, back and forth between like human and mermaid forms. And you know, it's a song about what it means to like go after prey and be a hunter. And mermaids on this show, I think are definitely positioned as hunters. And so in some ways it raises a question for me, like, is this really a horror hybrid show if they're just shown as hunters? Or is it like the the vampire teeth aspect of them, for lack of a better, more precise term, enough to like push it in a category of, yeah, this is this is a full blown horror series. So if I was gonna, you know, try to pin it to a genre, I wouldn't say this is a horror series. I would say it's a drama with some thriller elements and then sprinkled with a little bit of horror here and there, like we saw with the um, killing of the man that 
pursued her that and she basically shredded him and there was lots of blood yeah. and um, then the attack on the boat where the merfolk come onto the boat and they have weapons and they end up killing um, Xander's dad. I think that scene is very dark and cinematically very horrific where you're seeing the monsters versus the mm-hmm. humans and um, you're, you're kind of in a position where you're rooting for both in some ways because you want you empath- have empathy for the merfolk whose land water <laughs> their territory is being invaded and they're and they're starving but then the fishermen are are doing the same thing they're trying to get food for their families and trying to provide for them and so it's all because ben's dad is the real villain here because <laughs> he won't pay the people that work for him well <laughs> yeah so i think that it's more of a, a drama and thriller with a little bit of sprinkling of horror elements, especially during the dark scenes and, and the really um, the really violent scenes. Yeah, the mermaid attack scenes, I think, have a lot in common with uh, horror cinema, especially like like the, the, the boat attack scene. You have the close-ups on some of the faces of the people uh, and then like cutting out to like disembodied parts of the merfolk so you can't see the totality of them at first so um that feels very much in the vein of the the visual conventions for i guess creature feature um attack sequences but i feel like proportionately the amount of screen time we get with those compared to everything else it's probably like a quarter or less of the series um so yeah maybe not horror but there's enough you know punctuation of horror moments that it's if you're a horror aficionado it may be of interest to check out yeah i think that it is definitely worth checking out and i can't wait to see what they do with season two thanks for listening and join us next week for another horror discussion and another martini sounds good